Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. Being a small business owner, it's all about networking and connecting with people. And I've found, you know, when I was at PwC, I kind of lived in a little bit of a bubble and didn't even realize it. I had my coworkers, work came in, we had a fun little network, but I didn't really have a network outside of my working bubble. And I found that that has been the most important thing since I've left. I've met some of the greatest people I never would have met. And, you know, when you find people and you make a real relationship with them and they become people who are willing to help you, it's unbelievably powerful. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Bobby Timms, and he is the founder and director of operations for Centiv, which focuses on tax and cost recovery solutions for real estate. Bobby spent nearly the first decade of his career at PricewaterhouseCoopers, becoming a subject matter expert in tax credits and cost recovery solutions. Cost segregation is the most common tax incentive project Bobby's done throughout the years, performing numerous cost segs on everything from large sports stadiums to bank branches to restaurants, and, and it looks like just about everything in between. In addition to cost segregation, Bobby works in green energy tax credit the space maximizing credits related to energy, efficient homes, solar energy, and alternative fuels. So thanks for being on the show today, Bobby. Yeah, thank you for having me. So this is good. I don't think we've had anybody to, to really focus on a cost segregation on the show. I think it's important for, for every investor to understand. It's kind of one of the one of the main tools in the tool belt of an operator, right? Of a multifamily operator to be able to drive value and create value. So glad you're here today to really dig in and, and share with our listeners what exactly that is, because you know it sounds very complicated. But before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. So I came right out of college and went to work at PricewaterhouseCoopers, where I got pretty quickly folded into the tax incentives and tax credit space. I did that for several years, moved up into, you know, higher roles throughout and got to where I was, you know, building the teams out down in Atlanta. 
I got put on a few special projects, just, you know, like you said earlier, you haven't had a cost segregation guest. Cost segregation is kind of an underserved area, even at those larger firms. So I was then asked to move out to Denver and start a new group there doing cost segregation because they actually didn't have a team out in Denver. And that, that was about the first 10 years of my career, as you mentioned. And then as I was building the team here in Denver, I decided, you know, why build a, a team for this large company? Why not go out, build my own team and try to take this tool down to every market tier? Because again, you said you hadn't had a guest. And I think that's because it really is an underserved area. But yeah, that's my quick background. It was all at PwC up until uh, founding Centive. So explain to us what cost segregation is. Yeah, at the highest level, cost segregation is a tool that allows you to accelerate your depreciation to lower your taxable income. To put a little more color to that, when you purchase a building and you have income, you don't suddenly get to write off that income. You still have it. You're still taxed on it. You would slowly over time recoup that and have an expense, but it would take 39 years. So if you go and spend a million dollars on a building, it's going to take you 39 years to remove that from your books, so to speak. What I do with the cost segregation is I go in and I pull out, in addition to the 39-year property that does exist, that's your foundation, your walls, your roof, I go in and pull out all the other short life assets, your five-year assets, your seven-year, and your 15. Bring all those forward, depreciate them quicker, and allow you to expense that money as quickly as possible. Gotcha. And so why is all that important to investors? So for investors especially with passive investors, there's only so much you can do to lower your passive income. This is a really great tool for doing that um, with, you know, it does follow those kind of passive laws, passive gain rules, but with your passive activity, it allows you to get rid of, you know, and it's different for different situations, but it allows you to get rid of a lot of that passive income immediately, especially if your passive income is related to real estate which these tools are specifically built for. Gotcha. And so give me a little more color, like walk me through. So you said you're taking these assets, five-year assets, you know, 15-year assets, and you're, you know, bucketing these, et cetera. But say you walk into one of my multifamily properties, right? Like, what are you doing when you're there? Yeah, it's all about looking at that building, not as one big unit of property. So, you know, your generalist CPA is going to look at that building as one building, one 39-year piece of property. And what I do is I try to look at it in terms of all the things that make up that building, right? So we do that mostly through the construction cost detail. But when we're going through the building, we're looking for those things. And what they typically are is if you think of an empty shell of a building, that's your 39-year property. If you think of a very boring warehouse in the middle of nowhere, that's a lot of 39-year property. When you talk about these multifamily housings units, they have a lot in there that's not building. And it's a wide variety of things. And it can even be things like your electrical system. So just to give a little bit of an example here, the electricity that keeps the lights on in your hallways and corridors, that's all that 39-year building stuff. Now, the electricity going to a refrigerator or a stove or a business 
oh gosh, you know, like if you have computers in a business area for your people living there, those types of things, the electricity that supports those is actually short life. So we go in and do an engineering analysis, look at, you know, your electrical systems, even plumbing, different pipes that go to a bathroom are treated differently than a pipes that go to a sink. So it's really digging out everything. There's some low hanging fruit too: carpet, blinds, decorative lighting, chandeliers that we also obviously grab, but you know, there's a lot hiding in there and we make sure we get it all. So you're taking the components of a building or you're breaking a building down into its components, right? It's yes, component absolutely. parts. These different component parts have different depreciation schedules. For example, carpet, right? What's a carpet depreciation? Like five or seven years? Seven years on carpet. Seven years, right? So you're able to depreciate that carpet over a seven-year period versus over, I think multifamily is like 27 and a half, mm-hmm. which is like a 39 and a half for like a commercial building. Yeah. I may be right. But being able to accelerate off of that versus having to take that carpet and accelerate that or and depreciate that carpet over 27 and a half years when, I mean, in 27 and a half years, you probably have replaced that carpet like absolutely five absolutely. to eight times, maybe even more than that. So you're able to, to really, seems like move these things, depreciate these things on the life of the specific item versus of, of the entire building, right? Absolutely. And that is the entire goal, right? Move as much to that property into those short lives as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. You want to, accelerating that depreciation is what drops your taxable income. That's the goal of almost everything I do. Um, I don't just do cost segregations. But the other, you know, the tax credits that I do, everything is about lowering that taxable income and that tax liability, you know, write a smaller check to the government at the end of the year. That's my goal. Yeah. And then, and so there's other benefits related to kind of current tax laws of doing a cost segregation, right? Of kind of accelerating these, accelerating these items, being able to take the depreciation kind of in year one. Mm-hmm. Right. So can you explain how all these things come together and kind of the current tax environment and how that can really be, there's really kind of a multiplier effect that goes on. Yeah. There's a few benefits that come out of these projects. One, you've hit the nail right on the head, right? You're bringing everything forward, accelerating it. And then I do want to make it clear that when I say five year, seven year, 15 year, that's actually misleading because there's bonus depreciation, which right now is running at a hundred percent. So that was part of the, you know, the Trump's tax plan in 2017 made for some really favorable changes for cost segregation. And, you know, that's because Trump was a developer, right? So when you have a 15 year piece of property, you're not depreciating it over 15 years, you're expensing it in the first year. So anything under 20 years is eligible for bonus depreciation. So everything that we move is immediately written off under 100% bonus depreciation. That's going to go away in a few years. So this is a really good time to be taking advantage of cost segregation. As those tax laws begin to fade out and new ones come in, we'll see how favorable they are. But right now is a fantastic time to take advantage. Right. Because you're not only moving it up, right? You're moving anything under 20 years up to year one. Right. Yes. And then you're also doubling that if I'm right. Isn't that right? With the bonus depreciation. 
Well, you, so if you move, let's say we have a $5 million building and we move, let's keep it simple. We move half of it to short mm-hmm. life, $2.5 million in that first year without a cost sex study, you're probably going to see one and a half percent depreciation on the whole thing. So one and a half percent of $5 million, but with a hundred percent bonus, we're going to see, and you know, let's say we reclass 50%, we're going to deduct $2.5 million off your books in that first year. So complete half gotcha. of your building is immediately written off. You've lost that from taxable income. So let's say you made $10 million that year. Now you've only made $7.5 million when it's time to write the check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how it's so powerful for investors, right? Because yes. these, the income that you're receiving from the operations of the property, I mean, even, even as a passive investor is, and I'll speak from my own experience because I know everybody's tax situation is different, but from my own experience, it's completely offset any of the taxes I would have to pay on the income I've received. The depreciation is completely offset that. And really, mm-hmm. in my experience, that lasts largely through the entire hold period of the deal. So you're really not paying taxes on that income through the hold period. And there's depreciation catch up when you sell, but it really is a huge value. And especially if you start, you know, if you have other real estate or other passive investments as well, because you can apply those expenses kind of across that whole bucket and you can save on other investments as well. Right. So really powerful if you are, you know, buying, if you're selling and buying another property in the same year to be able to offset capital gains. So. Yeah. As your portfolio grows, like you mentioned, one property can take out a lot of that income from your other passive investments. So really great point there. And yeah, it's a strong tool. It's a really strong tool. It's Again, I, I keep coming back to this, but it's being underserved in this market, certainly. Yeah. So are you guys, are you physically going on site and like itemizing? So if I have, you mentioned using construction records, but say mm-hmm. it's a value add deal. Like we're buying a property and we, you know, the property's existed for 30 years, sure. right? But we want to do a cost seg. Are you physically coming on site and itemizing the things that you're seeing in this property, like, okay, here's the light fixtures, here's, here's the carpet, here's, here's that and creating kind of this schedule. Is that how you do that? Or, or how do you go about this? Yeah. So the situation you kind of spoke to there, if you purchased a building and, you know, not many people are going to hang on to all that cost detail through the years. And they're certainly not obligated to pass it over to someone they sell a building to. I'm talking about, you know, the general contractor from the original Mm -hmm. build. So in the absence of that data, we kind of do exactly what you just said. I will show up with, you know, my pen and my paper and my, Oh my gosh, my, you know, to measure, measuring tape, measuring tape. Jesus, <laughs> I apologize for that. We just blanked my measuring tape and yeah, we'll go and you know what we can't find online. Cause a lot of this stuff is public. You know, you can go to County assessors websites and pull some of the old blueprints and stuff. But in the absence of that, yeah, that's exactly what we do. We'll go measure. We'll be counting certain types of outlets, be counting light fixtures, And then we use a Marshall valuation systems, which some people in the real estate world are familiar with. It's the same thing appraisers use. So when an appraiser would show up to appraise a building for you, we're using some of the same tools and I'll rebuild that building essentially on my desktop, same way an appraiser would using the measurements I've taken. 
Mm-hmm. But then on the back end, what I do is I then go and cost seg it. So as soon as I make that building up of all these different factors, then I start bucketizing those costs. Gotcha. Gotcha. I also, you know, on the other side of that, where all the construction cost detail is available, I still go to the sites. And that's because a lot of times some things won't pop out on cost detail, right? I might walk into a multifamily, you know, lobby and see all these decorative like woodwork on the ceiling, wall Mm -hmm. paneling, a nice fireplace, all these things that don't jump right out of the cost detail. But when I see them, then I know I need to go find it in the cost detail. Yeah. Go start asking questions. So I always do a site visit for anything, you know, above a single family home type deal. Yeah. So there's clear like tax savings and tax reasons to do this. But but it also seems to me that there could be, you know, some reasons for man, other reasons for management to do this as well. I mean, it seems like a, a valuable tool to have kind of this breakdown of everything that's in your building and the expected life of these items, right? So how do people leverage that from a management standpoint? Yeah. So it does circle back to tax in this particular example I have for you. But one thing that I do or that most cost sec providers do, is not just break out those five, seven, and 15-year costs, but break out what is your 39-year cost. The IRS defines nine building systems. We won't name them all, but plumbing, HVAC, electrical, roof, there's general bucket. I break that portion of the building out as well. So you're not really seeing any tax benefit up front because it's just 39-year property that's in your roof and 39-year property that's in your HVAC. Mm -hmm. But I think, again, I work in a lot of commercial, so I apologize for the 39 years. You're absolutely right. Residential real estate, 27.5. Gotcha. But what will happen and what anyone will tell you is an HVAC system is not lasting 27 and a half years. Mm-hmm. So when you, when that HVAC system breaks and you need to replace it, I'll have that basis in the HVAC that you can go ahead and know, all right, we need to write off this, you know, $450,000 this year because we know what we paid for our HVAC and we know we're getting a new one. So what, will typically happen if you don't do a cost seg, you'll just end up sitting there with both of those on your books and then you're paying even more tax. Right. Um, So if something does, like in your example, you're like, okay, this thing died. I need to replace it. It still has some life left on the, from a depreciation schedule standpoint, you're able to go ahead and take all the depreciation like or essentially write it off. Is that kind right. of the same thing? The right? remaining basis. The remaining basis, right? Yeah. Which is the remaining, the depreciation you have not taken yet, I guess. Absolutely. Right? I, I don't have to say that, but yeah, the remaining basis. And you're able, you're able to take that right away. And expense it. And expense that, right? So then you're increasing your expenses, which is, you know, going to change your bottom line. It's going to lower your taxes, right? That's, but again, that's, it's uh, that's a valuable tool. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so you can do that. And how granular can you get as you're doing that? I can get pretty granular. I mean, so these, we typically stop at kind of those nine IRS defined mm-hmm. building systems mm-hmm. because that's, I mean, they're, they didn't pull them out of thin air. They're pretty well yeah. defined. You know, they're good. It's good to know how much you've spent on your roof. Behind that, what I also do is break out, you know, everything at the asset level detail as well. So essentially a deliverable from me is going to be built from the very bottom of the cost detail. And it's going to go through different schedules 
to finally wind up at a summary of, you know, the highest level summary could be four numbers, your 39, your 15, seven, and five. But below that, you're going to know everything that goes into the seven-year bucket, right? You're going to have yeah. a line item list of everything that makes up your seven-year so this cost seg, and I'm kind of you know playing coy here because we do cost segs on all of our properties. But if there's, it sounds like a no-brainer. What's the reason why somebody wouldn't want to do a cost seg? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'll start the answer to that question by saying we will always look into these factors for you at the beginning of any project. We're not going to do a cost seg on a building that doesn't need to be cost seg or won't benefit you some of the reasons we may not do them. It's going to depend on your income. You know, if you are not in a profitable state, I mean, you can obviously still be making money, but if your business isn't, there's not a great need to accelerate your deductions, right? So if you're already not paying tax this year and you're working in kind of a net operating loss, we can certainly do a cost seg and increase your NOLs because they carry forward. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't have an appetite to go spend money on something when they're not paying taxes. And I completely appreciate that. So that would be one. We would just want to know, hey, are you taxable? Another big one is going to be how long are you holding on to this building? You mentioned it earlier, depreciation recapture. That's something you have to factor in. You know, If you're going to buy this building and sell it in the next year, the depreciation recapture is really going to take away a lot of the benefit that we pulled out to begin with. So it's how long you're keeping it and, you know, how taxable are you passive or active? Mm -hmm. Now, those to me are really the two biggest factors. In my opinion, every building should be cost-seg. Every commercial income producing building should be cost-seg. So, no real style of building. Like I said, I used to cost seg warehouses out in the middle of nowhere or distribution centers. Now they're not going to get the same benefit, but there's still benefit and the return on investment is always favorable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And to that point, return on investment, what does a ballpark, a cost segregation study cost? So cost segregation can vary greatly. And I'd actually really like to tell you about this kind of new tool that we're doing to lower these costs as much as possible. Sure. But right now, the lowest cost, let's say for a multifamily housing, you know, that's, again, there's a lot of variety there. I'll say a $4,000 project ongoing right now and an $80,000. And one's a big headquarters and one is some lawyers who, you know, opened up They kind of pulled their money. They're different firms where they bought a nice little house or a nice, it's larger. So that one's running about four grand, doing a big headquarters for a larger, you know, US-based court, big headquarters down in Atlanta. And that one is 80,000. And it's all just about the time that it takes. You know, it just, it takes less time to cipher through all the cost detail on a smaller office than it does, you know, a 60 story headquarter. Now that new tool that may appeal to more of your listeners who you know don't have a $300 million headquarters is a way that we're trying to bring this, you know, this tool mm-hmm. of cost segregation to every market tier. And this would be more for your maybe your small office, but more so for an investment property, you know, mm-hmm. one for each. If you own five 
do it five times. If you own one, it's just the same. But what it does is it allows you to take a little bit of a role in the cost segregation. You'll be asked to kind of fill out, you know, provide some information, even take some photos, basically supply us everything we need to do our cost segregation in a way that's as effective as possible and as efficient as possible so we can turn it around at a much lower price. And so that would be, again, it's not fully developed. We haven't run it through the ringer Mm -hmm. to make sure, but our goal is to keep that somewhere in the 800 to a thousand dollar range. So you can do a cost seg again, a little bit of a time investment, but keeping that dollar investment as low as possible. Yeah, that's interesting. So it it sounds like kind of like a do it yourself tool for a cost seg. Yeah, we're calling it a professionally guided do it yourself because you will, you'll talk to me. um, You know, it'll come with a kick it off with a, you know, quick call tell you what we're trying to accomplish, why we're asking for what we're asking. We'll be very available for questions. You know, as you go, it's a very supported process, but yeah, again, just to keep those costs as low as possible and make this a tool that's more readily available for everyone in the market for it. Just let you, you know, do a little bit of the work with us and still get a very, very good deliverable. I mean, we're going to, we'll take your photos, we'll write the memo, put everything into a deliverable that you keep in PDF format. And that kind of rolls around to audit preparedness. Gotcha. Well, cool. That's something I've not heard about. So I think for, for smaller investors out there, that could be a really valuable product. It's absolutely who it's for. Yeah. It's so, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about cost seg and, and I think it's great information, but I know it's not the only thing that you do. So tell me a little bit about these green energy tax credits and how we can take advantage of those. Yeah, green energy is, you know, really powerful tool. And that's because it gets a lot of support in DC. So with the green energy, the first major difference here is we're talking about tax credits, whereas with cost segregation, we're talking about increased deductions. So mm-hmm. where a cost seg will make it look like you made less money, a tax credit is just the government giving you money for doing something that they want to encourage you to do. Um, so the best one, the most powerful one is a thing called 45L, and it is fantastic, especially for multi family housing. And just to be brief on it, 45L is a home or energy efficient home tax credit that says it was created in 2006. And so the bar is set in 2006 and you have to beat the energy standards of that air by 50% or more. So if you're building in California, you have to do it by their new standards. Their 2020 or 21 standards are already 50% higher. So you're going to qualify Mm -hmm. just because of where you built. That's not the case in every state, but if you beat those standards, then you are eligible for $2,000 per door. So if this is a single family investment home and you own one, it's $2,000. That's great. It's $2,000 tax credit may still be worth doing, but if you own or if you're invested in a multifamily housing, let's say you have 160 doors in there, we're talking about $320,000 tax credit. So really powerful tools. They do require a HERS certified engineer come out and visit the property, which again, kind of takes away from that 
single family home because you do have to have someone come and visit the property. It's much easier to get someone to go to a multifamily housing, but it all stands very powerful tool. We're talking, you know, tax credit in a large, large amount. And it's been extended. Is this something you can only do on new construction or is this something that you can do on, on a building that already exists? Yeah. So you would have to do renovations that, you know, mm-hmm. took you from not making it to making it. If, right. you know, if the building existed, this is a tax incentive for, you know, kind of the developer of the property. So mm-hmm. if you're invested in a firm that's developing the property, yes, you can get it. If you purchased a property, it's, it's not really for that group. So sure. now this is more for, you know, the builders, the developers and being a part of, of that investment side. Gotcha. Do just really, you can do both of these together. You can do a cost seg on a building and take the 45 L credit. So Mm -hmm. nothing saying that you can't, they work well together because you would actually remove the basis from that 27 and a half year bucket where, you know, you take the $2,000 per door, you reduce the basis out of your 39 year property. So you really are in a sense getting to, kind of double dip in a way, but not really. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, awesome. Two really good programs. I think good programs, even if you're not, you know, an active real estate investor to understand and, and be able to use to evaluate deals, right? I mean, you want to know, are your sponsors in the, in the right situation? Are, are they leveraging these tools, right? I mean, cost segregation, there's not a lot of scenarios like we talked about where it doesn't make sense to do a cross segregation, especially on larger properties, right? And then the other one is a little more niche, but if you're investing in new development, I mean, something to make sure that, that the sponsor is evaluating, right? And Absolutely. at least understanding that the, uh, the strategic decision was made to go one way or the other, right? Yes. It's a good indicator that, you know, all the, everything's being turned over and checked and seeing, you know, how much value can we bring our clients, you know, as the sponsors? And it's, yeah. it, it's a good measuring point. It sounds like you do it on all your properties, which is fantastic. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, Bobby, well, thanks for sharing all this information with us. Before I let you go, I want to bring you into our keys to success round. I've got a few questions I'd like to ask you. First one is, what is the one question that every investor should be asking their deal sponsor? Well, I think... If you're asking me that question, it would probably have to come around to how optimized are we for our taxes? You know, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times that kind kind of go into a black box with these sponsors. And, you know, that might not be a question you think to ask. So I think it's an important question to ask, you know, are we doing everything we can to keep our passive income at zero? Right. Yeah. I think making sure you're asking that they're doing a cost segregation study, right? Absolutely. And make sure they've got that budgeted. Mm-hmm. Or if there's, you know, if, if there's 45L opportunity, are we taking advantage of that? Yeah, or if it's a new one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. What are you most proud of in your career? Oh, my career. I have to say starting this business. You know, you and I spoke for a moment before we got started here. You're also an entrepreneur. There's pride in that. You know, my mm-hmm. grandfather owned his own business. My dad owned his plumber and then lawyer. And now I've got mine as tax consultant. And I've been enjoying it. I've got some pride in it for sure. Congratulations on doing that. What book should everybody be reading? So I read a book that helped me out and it was at the advice of a former kind of, 
you know, someone I looked up to at PwC and helped me kind of shape my career. And it's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it's actually a quite an old book, but it kind of teaches you how important relationships are, obviously in your personal life, but in your business life, in everything that you do, if you can manage to spend a little bit more time on the personal side of things, it can do wonders for you in terms of your success. And in my opinion, your personal happiness, I think, you know, making those strong relationships is great for you on all fronts, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great book. I've read it and very valuable and it is kind of old school, but still relevant to today. What is your number one key to success? I think it has to come back around to kind of that same area. I mean, being small business owner, it's all about networking and connecting with people. And I've found, you know, when I was at PwC, I kind of lived in a little bit of a bubble and didn't even realize that I had my coworkers, work came in, we had a fun little network, but I didn't really have a network outside of my working bubble. And I found that that has been the most important thing since I've left. I've met some of the greatest people I never would have met. And, you know, when you find people and you make a real relationship with them and they become people who are willing to help you, it's unbelievably powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, networking is key, right? That's, that's how I feel. Awesome. Well, Bobby, thank you again for coming on the show and providing so much value and education for us. If folks want to get in touch with you, learn more about what you're doing and incentive, how can they reach out? Yeah. So I've got a website. Incentive is C-E-N-T-I-V and it's a dot tax. So Cintiv.tax, all my contact information is on there as well as, you know, a good list of services. It's you know, what you would expect from a website. So you can reach me through there. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. I encourage anyone who is listening today and, and wants to learn more to connect with me on LinkedIn and also follow Cintiv's LinkedIn page where, you know, we do post about, you know, minor changes, some opportunities, things like that, that you can keep an eye on. And if you're okay to if anyone reaches out to you and wants my information, I'll make sure you have all of my material too. So if anyone asks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we'll make sure that everything, the website and contact gets posted down in the show notes. So as folks are listening, they can just click on it if they, if they want to learn more. So yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Bobby. Have a good rest of the day. Yeah, I appreciate it. You as well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.